As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Hello, friends. This episode of the podcast is sponsored by Hanky Law. Hanky Law likes solving your problems when they happen, but loves anticipating them so they don't. They provide real people with real solutions to help get your life moving forward. Hanky Law provides criminal defense, family law, personal injury, and civil law. Listen, the legal system can be intimidating and scary. If you find yourself in the legal system, it's important to have lawyers who can explain the process, navigate the legal system, and protect your rights. Hanky Law's experienced attorneys use their knowledge to skillfully defend their clients. Maybe your family is needing representation during a stressful or emotional event. Hanky Law can help. Hanky Law is comprised of Blake and Kelsey Hanky with a family of their own, so you can trust they understand the value of keeping the best interests of you, your finances, your future, and the long-term interests of your children in mind. If you are needing legal help in North Dakota or Minnesota, go to hankyjustice.com or call 701-746-4529. Hanky Law, counselors and attorneys at law. Welcome to the Cloud Surfing Podcast. gentlemen today is a very special day we have a special guest ryan garza will be on here in just a moment i'm gonna pull him up on zoom and we'll be right back hang on that's that's awesome dude well why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself say your name and uh what you do and all that other stuff okay um my name's ryan garza um born and raised in san antonio but currently living in colorado springs nice. um i'm medically retired from the marine corps and um and right now i'm just been uh working on my upcoming book and um, also been uh, training for the National Veterans Wheelchair Games next month in New York City. So really I'm excited about that as well. Mm-hmm. That's exciting. I didn't know any about. I did not hear about that. So oh my, that's like a whole other thing we got to get into. 
That's awesome, dude. So, being an author, what's how's how's the author life treating you? Are you enjoying writing, doing that, or how how, how do you do it? I guess. <laughs> well, it, it it's definitely a lot different than what I expected. I um I'd always wanted to write a book, and I uh, and it forever it was just I wanted to write a book on my life story. Yeah. And um and whenever I started, I, I went to um a big uh, workshop with. Uh, out with Joel Fow uh Joel Bauer, I mean. Oh, nice. And um and then I was also working with the uh, CEO of Pitch Freaks named Antonio White. And Antonio kind of gave me a different perspective on how to um he was like, because anybody could write a story, uh, but you know, it's about giving back and stuff like that. And so like working with them and uh trying like learning the new things and stuff, I realized it's not just about Oh, I'm going to write these stories and then they, uh, people can relate or not. It's about giving back. And so I'm using, um, certain principles that I use, uh, to find IEDs overseas because I use a metal detectors to sweep for IEDs. I'm uh, using certain, uh, methods and principles that I use out there to relate to certain things back at home and how to, um, go from, you know, all the traumatic uh, experiences and all the guilt and shame that I had gone through. So uh, the title of the book is called Disturbed Earth, My Journey from Guilt to Forgiveness. I love it, dude. That's an awesome title. Thank you. Well, what, what made you get into the Marines in the first place? I guess, like, did you just walk by a recruiter or what made you get into it? No, I um, uh, originally, because um, I had kind of a uh, rough uh, way of growing up, not because of my family. My parents are the best in the world, but just um, the people and the environment and stuff. And, uh, and I originally went, wanted to be a psychology major and help kids who kind of grew up that type of way. And something very traumatic happened, and it completely threw me off. I uh, dropped out of school, and um, my brother had joined the Marines. And something in me was like, you know what, that's something. I I've always been a, a pretty good leader, and, you know, I've always been, uh, uh, you know, a fighter in all different types of ways of life. And I thought that that might be a something I wanted to do and once I started looking into it and I really started to want it I knew that that's what I uh was born to do that's awesome that's Thanks. awesome yeah so you're so you have a brother what, what is your is your brother still in or is he retired now too sadly uh he well he's medically retired um he wanted to be a lifer uh but he ended up getting really sick and uh got Crohn's and ulcerative colitis oh. and uh yeah he and he was really upset about it because he um I mean, his his way of joining was absolutely insane too. He was um, sitting there, lay and um, uh, laying there one day. We were watching Full Metal Jacket, and he goes, "I'm going to join the Marines." And he just got up, got dressed, and started running to uh, lose weight and get in shape. And at first, I was like, "Ah, yeah, right." <laughs> and he did it. He he just took off running, and every day, he just came back, started doing crunches, and he joined the Marines. Man, he might be the only <laughs> person to be inspired to join the Marines from Full Metal Jacket. Man, I'm telling you, yeah. not a whole other people watch that, and they're like, "That is yes, dude, me. That's all me right there. That's all." Yeah, us Garzas are pretty wild. That's awesome. <laughs> That's, so, what is it? Was basic anything like what Full Metal Jacket was, or is that a little like exaggerated or for the time or whatever? Oh man, <laughs> well. Uh, back then, it, it was a lot more physical and stuff like that. Um, they're not. I mean, they they had those uh, moments where uh, they, I think, out of a reaction, they might have accidentally put our hands on us. Just, but I mean, not anything crazy like right. on Full Metal Jacket. Choking you out. 
the mental game was crazy. Like just like all like I mean there I could just remember the times where um one person would leave their footlocker unlocked <laughs> and then it's like oh not only do they dump everything, but then they get all the locks. Everybody's locks have to take them off. They we wipe our numbers off the lock and then uh they, they hook them all together. Oh, and we have oh, a certain amount Jesus. of time to figure out and so oh it was and then while while we're figuring it out, they're trashing the whole barracks. And so, I mean, we're getting our shoes tossed, and then you have a certain amount of time to get everything back. And I have big feet, and so it was hard. And then there'd be times where I'd have two left shoes, a nine and an eleven, and I'm like, "But you have no choice." And it's like, "I got Yeah, yeah. It was wild. <laughs> there was times where I was just like, "I'm going insane." Like I can't. <laughs> See, because you guys, yours is thirteen weeks long compared to the general like. Six weeks for Coast Guard, eight weeks Air Force Army. You guys are thirteen weeks. Yes, and it, I mean, and it ends uh, with such. Uh, it's called the Crucible, and it's the very end before you earn your Eagle Glove and Anchor. And it's uh, in about two and a half days. It's sixty-two miles of hiking and all that. And in between, there's obstacle courses, and you only get it was either two to three MREs for that whole time. Oh shit! Yeah, and oh. I remember, like, I, you know, everybody would be starving after these obstacles and stuff like that, and they all getting together to, like, munch on the little pieces of their MREs, but I knew better, because the last day, the last half day, we climbed something called the Reaper that's so steep, you are you actually will be on all fours sometimes having to get up. Holy and um, shit. So I was like, I was saving all my food for the last day, so I was starving like crazy, but... Um, Everybody was pretty jealous whenever yeah, I had all my food the last day. Yeah, dude, everyone else probably wanted to fucking be vultures. Hey, man, you, are you going to eat that cracker there? You yeah, eat that they're, cracker? They're, they were trying to, they're like, I'll give you a hundred bucks for, for your MRE. I'll give you a hundred like, no. bucks. No. Dude, there is no amount of dollars you can give me to make me give you yeah. this meal right here. Exactly. Dude, so I, I, I stormed up the Reaper. I was good. That's, that's, I was, uh, I mean, I was never a Marine, but I did, uh, I was a cadet for a while back in the day from like 12 to 21. And like, I remember MREs and some of those are fucking nasty, dude. Some of the, you get guacamole or something or something <laughs> like, oh, dude. The veggie omelet was the worst. Yeah, dude. Um, but everything else, like, I, I, it, was, um, it wasn't it was so bad because when we would go to certain bases where they were hooked up, like, you know, if they, if they don't really, people don't really leave the wire, they have all kinds of hot sauces and seasonings. Yeah. So, so we would just, we'd take some take of those off. and take them on the road and <laughs> make a feast out of it. That's awesome. <laughs> those, oh, I remember just the heater bags, because you could turn those into, like, little, we always would put the heater in it curl it up and bury it and then wait till it explodes underground and like watch the dirt fly up because we're like 14. It's like, yes. That's what we would do with them. It's terrible. Eat our yeah, food freezing cold I, so we could blow up some dirt. It's so dumb. <laughs> it, it, I, I love those heat because I would eat the MREs usually cold and then I would save the heat things and I would get a whole bunch of packets of oatmeal. And so oh, I'd use damn. the whole heat things to make oatmeal and that was just... That was heavenly out there. <laughs> Dude, those are things you must have. What other tricks of the trade did you learn like that from like MREs? Do you have like because you? I mean, I'm, you saved up all the heat things to make oatmeal. Do you have any other like specialties that you would like? Well, I can tell you a big specialty whenever it came to water, uh, like cooling down water. Um, so we uh, like my first tour 
it was like dropped in the middle of nowhere. We have no AC. We have nothing. I mean, our trucks didn't have AC. It was brutal. I mean, Shit. I would have migraines all the time. I, I remember there was a time where I was uh, in the truck and I just feel scalding down my uh, side. And I looked and it was my deodorant that had completely melted and dripped oh all over. Oh, my God. Yeah. And there were, we would get done from a mission and all I wanted to do was chug water. And I mean, I would... Go like and it was just boiling hot. hot water and so yeah so what we would do is we would get our big like tube socks or you know our boot socks and we would put two water bottles inside of it and then we would soak the sock in the water and all that tie it to our uh truck then get another water bottle and kind of uh stuff the top part of the sock in and put it upside down so keeps the throughout water the running. night so that throughout the night it slowly uh, uh pours the water on it so about four in the mornings the breeze from the night would cool it off in like four in the morning you just see everyone hopping off their trucks <laughs> grabbing and start chugging from the socks it it, it, it was a miracle that we came for that we were able to do that dude, but oh my god it was amazing dude added some engineering i would have never thought that. you guys made like a swamp cooler <laughs> in the middle of the desert basically yeah, that's why they tell Marines adapt and overcome. <laughs> yeah. You got, so what? So your first tour, what was that like? The first tour, it, it was just mostly miserable from uh, the um, just the heat, and then we were in a like a one hundred man tent. It's called a circus tent, and there was like two hundred and fifty of us in there, and there wasn't like any room. So we had there were bunk cots that were just terrible. And if you even blink funny, like it just tumbles down and breaks through. <laughs> so, and there, there was a time I'm sitting there on the top and I'm like, just tired beyond belief. And I'm looking up and, um, and I see something dark, like on the top of the tent. And I'm like trying to see what it was. And I see it move real quick. And it was a uh, camel spider. So Fuck I freaked out that. and I like jumped back and I crushed down. And then my poor buddy Miller, he's right next to me and I, <laughs> reached over and then next thing you know it's just like crashing <laughs> down dominoes everyone's bunks going yeah down. and so it was a big old dust cloud pop up and i'm just gone out the door dude fuck camel but, spiders i have never seen one but i don't i've seen well, i've seen pictures and st but like i can't even believe seeing one up close oh yeah i'm not about that life and they move <laughs> so fast that they, they really they're just oh it, it's just crazy and so that's kind of how like the first two tours went and then um but the third tour is when it really started popping off. Like, I want to say we probably, on our very first mission, we probably got hit about 13 times really? uh, from IDs. One of my poor buddies, uh, Joey, he got blown up. He, he got blown up in his truck. And then um, I think they were trying to able to move it a little bit. Got blown up again to where it was just uh, couldn't get out. of The truck was done. So a security vehicle came to, like, get them out and take them away. And then he got blown up a third time in the security vehicle. Oh, my God. Yeah. So it was, like, I mean, it it was a lot different. So um, I was trained before to be a sweeper and uh, dismount the truck to sweep for metal detectors. But whenever we knew it was getting this bad, then um, that's when they said, okay, well, um, you're going to be on the sweep team for sure, but we're also going to get you a bunch of medical experience to be a first responder. Gotcha. So um, I got some amazing, amazing metal, uh, uh, medical experience and um, 
So then no matter what, uh, whatever happened, anybody got blown up or anything, our truck is the first one to get there to, to help assess the casualties and then look for uh, other possible IEDs. So when when you're in training, I, I can't think of like after basic training, you go to like tech school um, or what, for IEDs or something, right? You, you learn how to sweep there or what is that like on the job? Well, actually, that wasn't even my original job. My, my original job was motor transportation, just to be like the truck operator and uh, drive on missions and stuff. But whenever um, I, I had no idea we were even fighting in Afghanistan. At that time, all we heard was Iraq, Iraq, Iraq. Yeah. So when we were about to do our first tour uh, or my first tour, they said, hey, we're going to Afghanistan. And there are a lot big, there are a lot more on IEDs. So we're going to need a sweep team. And at the first, at first, I just thought that seemed insane. I was just like, uh, "Yeah, right, don't, no, I'm not gonna do that." And I got voluntold to do it. Yeah. And uh, and but then <laughs> it ended up being, it ended up being a uh, the best thing. And, and it's exa- I, I I didn't know much about trucks, and I uh, I didn't I, I could drive them like crazy. I could pull mm-hmm. anybody out of anything, but I just don't like the maintenance part of it. Right. And th- this was something that I truly had a passion for, and. I was able to spot what we called uh, like certain things called uh, disturbed earth, which kind of looks like um, a discoloration of the ground. Like you, you could see that someone had dug there or something. And that's when we realized it was a possible IED. And that disturbed earth is kind of how I got the title of the book is, you know, that's yeah. recognizing the patterns and, uh, you know, it possibly being an IED or something destructive in life. So with with IEDs, I've read that they occasionally like you have rollers on the front of your trucks. Is that true? Where like to try to blow it up up there instead of back here? Um, uh, and, and and see those worked for a while and they still do great. But the thing is, is that they the uh, the enemy just started getting smarter and smarter to where they were actually able to make IEDs to where, let's say. They started realizing that the very first vehicle isn't where the important people are. They know that because that's a big risk. They realize hey, sometimes they're uh, in the fifth truck. So they had set them up to where four trucks can go over those IEDs and then strike the fifth one. That's and, crazy. And, yeah. And the, uh, the worst part is, is so before I got injured, I got blown up uh, the mission before that. And I was a 56th vehicle 30 of those vehicles was eod there's their purpose is to have all this uh stuff to and all of those went over it everything and i got hit the second mission when i got hit uh this time i was like again the 56th truck and i uh and we ran over it and and it got me and that's what took me out of the fight um well that first of all it's hard to hear that (laughs) just being 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 blown up sounds like one of the worst. I, I mean, it, it's weird. obviously being involved in it. It must be different for you, but for like for just hearing you know hearing guys get blown up and it's just kind of casual. That's crazy to me. Like just you know how common IEDs are over there. So I guess how how are they so common? Where are they getting all this shit to blow everything up with? You know. That uh, that I, I don't know all the the ins and outs about that type of stuff, but they started learning just everything through and they're just so smart. And they, uh, another thing that kind of got sweepers like myself, like a little edgy was they even started finding out how to make IDs to where we couldn't detect them with the metal detectors. Oh, so there was times where classics. we, 
we would sweep one of the times uh that i had gotten blown up our driver was taken out um and uh like or just leg blown off and um and uh a couple of us got beat beat up real bad and stuff like that and uh and uh my knee was killing me and they put us in another truck and i, I was sitting there and I'm, I'm real out of it and i i look and i see my one of my buddies um trying to sweep and there's a certain technique that you use and you do not do like a pendulum okay. you, you're like right above the ground and i see him sweeping like crazy so i was like stop and i stopped him i swept over there uh brought him back to the truck and went looking for more ids and we found more and some of those were the ones that i wasn't able to detect so i could have walked straight over an id and just got lucky that i didn't uh hit it that's wild so so are you um so were you like eod's are you eod or was that is that different than sweeping yeah eod is a lot more technical they're the ones that um they have all the type of equipment to go and actually investigate it without having to uh go up to it even though um they it's still a huge risk for them because they also will go in and uh um uh plant the i or plant it's like C4 to go uh, blow it up. And they, they definitely have so much risk. And I, I respect EOD more than anything. Um, they're just amazing people. They're very brave. And uh, and so ours was just um, kind of just to be able to, because you can't really have EOD everywhere in every mission at all times. And if we did, a lot of times we have such huge convoys, it was good to be able to have a team to be able to, just hop right up and go straight there and try to take care of it. I see. So when you're when you're doing your your tour, right? So what I guess what what happened that led to your injury? What were the what was the chain of events that led to you being being hurt over there? Well, um, it, the crazy thing is, is I wasn't I, I was originally not even supposed to go on that, or I wasn't going to go on that mission because um, I had gotten blown up and uh, I got back to the and I was fine. I just got a little rocked and. Um, and I got back to the camp and my first sergeant said, Hey, I need to talk to you when you're done working. And I was like, all right. And I thought he was just going to ask if, you know, I was okay from the blast and, uh, come to find out, they said, Hey, uh, you got to go see the wizard. And the wizard is like the priest out there that someone really closely passed away. And, um, and I had found out that, uh, I had lost a very dear, very close uncle that I loved to death from suicide. And, um, right, so that, man. It, it was, it was tough, especially having to deal with being out there and not being able to attend the funeral. So they said to go see the doc. I had already, that was, uh, already my fourth tour pretty much back to back. So I was already kind of, uh, out of it anyways. And so, uh, I saw the doctor and they just had me resting for a few days and they said, I didn't have to go on the next mission. And at first I was like, okay, you know, good. I'm just going to rest and get myself together. And, but something was like, man, I would never forgive myself if something happened to one of my Marines or if something happened. And um, so I said, you know what, I'm gonna go. And so I decided to go. And um, what's crazy is a lot of our doors uh, wouldn't shut, like they wouldn't be able to shut right. So we had something called a combat lock and that seals the door shut. So instead of having to do uh, use a handle, you just do the lock and it opens up. Well, my combat lock, kept on breaking off it would fall off and my door would just swing open 
and I would have to get up, like screw back in, and it just kept doing that. And this is something I would never in a million years do because I'm all about trying to be comfortable in those terrible situations. But something was like, man, I, I don't feel right about this. And um, so I got a ratchet strap, something to strap the door, and I hooked it to the door, and then I hooked the other side to the gun mount, and then I tightened it real tight and closed the door shut. Okay. And so I had this strap across my chest that was uncomfortable, and it was driving me crazy, But and I would never really do that. I would just deal with the combat lock, but something in me was telling me to strap it shut, and shortly after that is when we struck the ID, and... Um, it blew up right under me. I was uh, very, very temporarily knocked out and uh, or briefly knocked out. And um, I, I started coming to and my eyes and my mouth and nose and everything was just covered in sand. So I was like wiping it all out and it had blown up under me. So I was kind of sideways and my driver was up uh, at an angle. And so I looked up and I asked if he was okay. And he was real shook, shook up. He had gotten um, a concussion, and then I, uh, and that's whenever I looked down and I saw that my leg is like completely mangled up and kind of stuck in the door or the dash area, and so I pulled it out. And then, um, and I mean, I, I was shaking like crazy, and I was like, "Go!" Uh, I was like, "Call them! Call them now!" I think my leg's broken, and um, and I, I believe like our we lost our uh, smoke to be able to signal that I'm injured and. We, uh, I think our radio got busted and all kinds of stuff. So we just kind of had to sit there and wait until they were able to come get us. And it was the most, one of the most excruciating pains I've ever felt in my life. So what, what was the extent of your injuries on your leg? Did, did, is your leg amputated? Yes. Uh, I broke eight bones, dislocated 13, and shattered my foot and ankle into powder. And, um, and I spent 13 months in the hospital. They... I had all these screws and everything like that and everything was good. And, um, and I was, they were trying to save my leg. And, um, whenever it was getting near to the time when I was about to retire, I, I started feeling a little pain. And, um, so I went, got it checked, did x-rays. They, they were like, uh, no, you're good. I was like, all right. Started feeling a little bit more. And, uh, they were like, uh, they, so they did a MRI. Like, no, you're good. And then, um, then they said, uh, or then I just kept feeling it, and they, they were like, uh, we'll give you a CAT scan. And they found, like, I I, I want to say it was like all the cartilage in my foot and ankle was dying away. So the bones and screws and everything would grind together until it was nothing left. And um, so there was, I just, I had spent 13 months in the hospital, and to sit there and tell me at the end that I'm going to have to get amputated, I uh, I just said there's no way, and um, so I sucked it up for a while, and I just kept it. And um, I did a wounded warrior event uh, where we climbed the Andes Mountains. We got uh, we saw went to Machu Picchu, and uh, oh, we got to uh, stay with some of the last of the original Incans called the Cueros people. And um, and it was about two weeks of climbing through the Andes. We did a final summit of Mount Mariposa, which was amazing, and. Um, but by the end of that, my leg was completely crushed up, and it was just, I, I was drinking like crazy because I mean I could feel every I mean I would fall to my knees all the time, and it was just uh, I, I became into a monster, and so then that whenever I saw it really take an effect on not only me but everybody around me, I uh, decided to get it amputated, and um, but uh, like I tell everybody. 
the best part about it is the doctor let me pick the day of my amputation and I got it cut off on Friday the 13th. Really? That's actually yeah. kind of cool to be funny. Yeah, That's so I was pretty excited about that. <laughs> what, I guess, it's just, I can't even imagine, to be honest with you, you know, how, how many of you, how many of your friends and you, like, is it is it pretty normal for everyone to be affected by IEDs over in Afghanistan, like, just about everyone who goes? Um, oh, yeah, and I mean, and everybody's uh, affected in so many different ways. Um, something that really caught me very much off guard is I never really had nightmares and I never really had, I never had anxiety attacks or anything like that. I slept great overseas. Um, the hospital obviously was different because I was in pain, but I, I wasn't suffering that much. And it was whenever I came home and I didn't have that environment of being around my Marines and I didn't have any, I just was back home. Um, that's when everything started to hit. That's when I started having the most insane anxiety attacks that I thought I had was having heart attacks and I had nightmares every single day and it was painful. I couldn't sleep and it was just it was just one big nightmare. So was it I'm, I'm guessing, you know, were, was this something that was that they were able to help you with at all with like medication or anything like that? Or was it with the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Are you pretty much just kind of left there to dry? No, they, they do. Uh, I, I've gotten amazing help, especially um, the Semper Fi Fund. They, I, like, it, it gives me goosebumps just thinking about it because one of the things that really uh, got me real depressed was I was never, I never took taking a showers for granted ever in my entire life. I would always just spoke it all it and I just loved it. And, it, and, um, and whenever I had to go home and I was like crawling in and out of the shower all the time and having to sit there, it was so depressing. And yeah, they, I was on all the meds that the VA kind of throws at you at the time. And then, um, but then out of nowhere, I didn't even ask for it. Um, this amazing woman, uh, Tina, that's with the Simplify Fund, she uh, got some people together and uh, got a shower built at my parents' house for me. A shower built? And, yeah, That's like they built really in a cool. shower that had like hand bars and a seat in there. And it was the best feeling in the world because I was able to like, uh, sometimes if I had to wash and stuff, I would get up and I was able to stand on one leg and use my knee on the seat and, yeah. and do all that. But I was able to just sit comfortably. I didn't have to worry about busting my teeth out, crawling in and out of the tub and and just having to sit there. It gets it's depressing. And there's times where I would just zone out because, you know, you're sitting there, you feel the comfort of the water hitting you, 
but then you just get in this dark place and they that helped with my my mental health so much just that alone yeah what i I mean has mental health been the bigger challenge for you out of the whole thing yes um and the thing is is uh i uh was present um back in 2016 i was present when uh we lost um a a very good friend of uh ours uh who was struggling very bad uh i'm a marine and that was um probably the worst thing i've ever experienced in my life and uh so and i thought that was the end for me and i kind of just i didn't i i I didn't know how I'd be able to recover from that, but I got to the point where I was like, I'm willing to try everything. Uh, like if, if there's something, I, and so I, I did all these brain treatments. I did alcohol treatments. I did um, everything I could possibly do. And, um, and it helped a certain amount, but I still just, I didn't have a purpose in life. I still was just sitting here dying away, drinking myself to death. Um, I couldn't get those, I mean, I, I was able to forgive myself for certain things, and but I couldn't let go of so much. And that's why with this book and with this process that I made, I've been actually able to apply the process on my everyday life. And getting rid of all that guilt and all what I call unnecessary weight with a bunch of things in life that I held on to that... I, I should have been able to let go a long time. I mean, even little things because they pile up, and, um, and then able to forgive myself and move forward. That's when I was like, okay, you know what? I've got to get back. I want to help people this way. And um, there were certain things that happened that got me in that uh, mindset to give to give people hope. And um, certain situations that had happened that uh, kind of struck out for me. And um, and then this, whenever this started coming out and I started kind of speaking about my story and seeing how many people can relate whenever it deals to, you know, the depression or mental health or suicide or disabilities or uh, alcoholism, or everything that goes with it, at being able to tell my story, have them relate and say, you know, I've been there. I, I felt that. And this is my, I mean, I'm not saying the process will help everybody, but this is something that saved my life personally. And so... If even if it saves one person, that's that's everything to me. And so that's my mission is to break the cycle. And and you know, just from an outside view looking in, you know, even if the only life it saves is yours, that's a life worth saving, dude. Absolutely. The only and, life uh, you save is your own. That's fine with me. Mm, <laughs> you know, mm, I, I, a lot of people need to realize a lot. Of, t- today's society, we really like to help others and put ourselves last. You know, mm. I mean, not everyone, <laughs> obviously, <laughs> but. Uh, you know, what what I've always felt is like it's it's hard. You know, growing up, I always I was a cadet forever, and my grandpa was in the military, and I wanted to follow his whatever, and I'm medically not allowed to join, and that was kind of like a crusher for me. So it almost feels like part of your personality gets left behind when you're when you finish up a chapter. Do you feel like that was part of the problem at all for you? Like maybe like when you left the Marines, like okay, now I don't really have like that part of me is here isn't here anymore. Like so maybe. You know, so I, I'm I'm trying to find the right way to put this into words. Are you kind Are you kind of getting what I'm saying, though? Yeah, I, d- I definitely understand what you're saying, and it, it was definitely like that because I was, I I was so good at my job, and I was good at training Marines, and I was good at. Mo- I mean, I, I was 
I was a wild one and I screamed all the time and all that, but I always, you know, did everything the way, uh, you know, I was, you know, taught uh, how to be a good Marine. And, um, you know, I, I, I had that sense of purpose. And whenever I went home, it's like, not only do I not have a purpose, I'm not able to help, you know, I'm, I can't train my Marines. I can't do this. I can't even talk like a Marine because everyone thinks I'm a psychotic nut. And, um, and, and so I just, it was leaving a whole lot behind and then, uh, to add on with the injury. And, you know, at the time I had suffered from traumatic brain injuries. So for a while I would stutter a lot and I shook and I forgot everything that I was saying all the time and it would get embarrassing and, or I'd forget what other people are saying. And, and it was, it, I got into a big dark spot and I was thinking, you know, what am I going to do now? That's like the question of all of us think, what am I going to do now? That was what I was best at being a Marine. And now I have to come back and have nothing. Do you think, I mean, and this is like a big, a lot of people on the internet, you know, you, when you see like situations like mass shooting events or whatever, I, do you feel that there's a place like we can put our former Marines, our former infantry and like find, like, I feel like there are jobs for them that we can do a better job at helping them get like security jobs or anything like literally anything you know like we have a huge police problem i have seen marines hold their i mean hold their uh what's the word um demeanor through some serious shit you know so maybe i mean helping train people that we have here i feel like do you think that there's a little more that we could do or are there are there options that i'm not aware of for 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 people to come back and, and use uh I mean, th there are uh, some opportunities, but the thing is, the hardest part is it's very hard to trust anyone to go into something new or to do something when you have a mindset of, because I was bad in the isolating and, um, you know, everything like that. And so, uh, I, I don't remember who it was, but a while ago, someone had came with an idea that I, I loved to death and it was um, uh, to out in California to build like big greenhouses and stuff like that and then actually have like a an actual school type to show like how to grow uh, cannabis and like all, all like the science in it and then yeah. also you know you could have people doing security for the area and then having and it being almost like a little college there having yeah. uh buildings there that you live in and and to have something like that um and just, I guess you could get more of a purpose than learning something, something interesting that that might be able to help them. And uh, because that was one of the reasons why I kind of moved to Colorado from San Antonio, because I was so sick of having to rely on all these meds that they were feeding me all the time. And, and then if I'm taking these pain meds, then I have to deal with the withdrawals and everything. And so something like that, it gets my interest. And um and I think the biggest part is to get them to be able to trust. And I think if we had more veterans out there that get involved with these things that could say, hey, I did it and this, this helped a lot, then I think that would be a tremendous start. You know, especially if they're already there and they can be like, look, I'm a vet too. I've, I've been through this. You know, come, I'll, be, I'll, I'll go with you. You know, let's go together. And especially like, you know, cannabis becoming, I mean, the House of Representatives just descheduled it. So it's over to the Senate now. And so it might, might pass there. And if it does, obviously, I highly doubt it's going to stop at the president's desk. I just think that I, cannabis is one of those things that has been, like, left on the side for so long that people can really use and really help themselves. I mean, I'm sure, have you have you tried it to see if it helps with you? 
Cannabis? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's why I moved to Colorado. Oh, awesome, yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah, that's what I was saying, yeah. I, I moved to Nevada it, partially for that, too. Like, trust me, I get it. I've got uh, I've got plenty of anxiety, depressed issues of myself, not because of anything you've been... Trust me, I've been, I've been through anything like you've been through. But uh, I can tell you it took me off five different medications, and that's that's enough for me, man, <laughs> you know? Yeah, and, and it's great. And, and, it, and like I said, there was times where uh, dealing with pain and insomnia and stuff like that, I uh, I would go and I would take an edible, and then it's like, damn, I'm I'm sinking into my bed. I'm actually, or you know, the indica type. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm sleeping good. I'm sleeping through this, and I don't have to take these crazy ass. I mean, I, I still I I am on meds still. Yeah. Because it's a process, but I'm nowhere. I'm not taking nearly as many as I was. Yeah. And this has helped a lot. And a lot of people they watch all these movies where it's like they're all stunned and they're dumb and this and that all the time. And I'm like, you know, a lot of us, I mean, yeah, it, that happens, but a lot of us also use it for real medicinal purposes. Like Most. there's times where I've used it and I'm like, you can't tell that I've used it. Right. And it, so everybody just has that view. Like everyone's dumb and makes bad decisions. And it's just not true. It's such an old, it's an old school way of thinking, you know, and well, here, mm -hmm. you know, if you think about it, like, uh, Shikari Richardson, the lady who just got banned from the U S Olympic team for having marijuana in her system after running the hundred meter sprint, it's like, well, what mm -hmm. is it? Is she an Olympic champion on the hundred meter sprint with weed? Or is she a lazy piece of shit? Cause she smokes weed. What, what are we doing here? We, we yeah. gotta pick one. Is Michael Phelps yeah. also a piece of shit then? Or what? Like we, we got, we gotta pick one here. We can't just keep, what are we doing here? Is it reefer madness it, it, it still? It makes no sense. Are we in marijuana? It, it, it drives me crazy. And um, and the thing is, is like, uh, and a, a lot of people, I guess, I mean, they grew up to where they it got drove drove it or drug into their head that it's bad and it's hard to get out after years of thinking it's bad. But a good example is my dad. He was um, highway patrol for a long time, retired, and then uh, got into narcotics and all that he's never done a bad thing in, in his life so he's always been against uh marijuana and i mean all the time and um and then whenever you know i was a really bad alcoholic i was aggressive violent irritable uh everything that goes with it um and then i was like you know what i i've got to move to colorado you know because i'm you know i, I would have such bad anxiety attacks having to go through someone to get it because i'm thinking right. i'm gonna get in trouble and and so I moved here, and then um, whenever I would, went back home to visit, my dad was like, you know what? He's like, you know, yeah, we miss you and everything, but that's the best thing you could have done. And he was like, now I get it, because you're so much different. And and so now he accepts it, and he's okay with it. I mean, I don't sit there and blow it in his face, but, no, <laughs> I mean, I'm like, he so understands if I need to go out to take a hit or something. He's like, yeah, go, go for it. And for someone like him who was against it forever – and all that to actually see that it does good, that sh it just shows, you know, that people need to really understand how much it helps us. Well, you know, I can sh I'll show you something funny real quick because I have a funny story to relate. Let me grab this. So my, my grandparents are in charge of the, you know, drug demand reduction program. And they sent me this sticker on my bong that says, you know, keep off the grass. Yeah. <laughs> and they put like a little cannabis with a cross through it. So my grandparents sent me that sticker and they sent it, you know, because growing up, they've always been super, you better not be smoking weed type deal. And then uh, I hit some, my, my best friend killed himself when I was a, in, in college. Uh -huh. And that fucking Sorry. sucked. You know, it's, you know, it, um, and that's kind of what really tumbled everything down for me. 
And when they saw that, like, weed was doing more for me than anything else, they were like, oh, okay, well, maybe we'll lighten the fuck up. You know, they know that I go out, my cousin and I, we go every Christmas, we go outside and just get fucking trashed because we gotta be at home for Christmas with all those freaks. You know, they, I love my family to death, don't get me wrong, but when we all get together, we're a crazy, but we're fucking, we should not all be in the same room together. It shouldn't be legal. It just shouldn't. I love you it. Know? So yeah, no, I, uh, I love hearing that, you know, and your dad sounds like an awesome dude. He was a, a trooper, you said, and then you're also a, nar- a narcotics officer. Yes, and he, he was just amazing, and uh, he, he he finally retired from that as well. Um, but, I mean, he's one of the strongest guys I know, and uh, he, I mean, he he's uh, 64 now, I believe, and he recently, for the second time, did the San, or Santiago, de, or Camino de Santiago. I don't know if you heard about that, but it's like a 530-mile hike through Europe and Spain and stuff, and he did it. <laughs> and... Uh, He's just, oh, I, he, he's, oh my Lord. Yeah. He, he's just, a, he's, I think, you know, that's what kind of our family gets that drive to like, if, if we put our minds to something, we're going to do it. He ran this? <laughs> and he went all out with that one. <laughs> this is crazy. This is 500 yeah. miles. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Dude. He, yeah, like, after, he used to be like, yeah, man, once you're fixed up, we'll, we'll go hiking in Alaska. And I'm like, yeah, that sounds cool. Then he does that, and I'm like, yeah, forget about it. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So do you, you still get out at all? Um, like, you know, do you still get outside, go and be active and stuff like that? Mm-hmm. Uh, I do. Uh, I don't do much climbing anymore, but um, uh, after, uh, after my invitation, I got another... Um, uh, the people who saw, cause I was the first to the top of the final summit on in the Andes. And those same people were like, Hey, well, we would like you to climb this 14 er there's a 14,000 foot mountain. Uh, and I was like, well, when, and they said in, um, like June or July, which was five months after my amputation. And I was like, you're crazy. There's no way. And, uh, but they were like, just try it. You can stop at any time. And I went ahead and went for it and I did it. And, uh, so doing that, it was like, oh, well, I guess I can do stuff. And um, and even though I've still went through a rocky road, like now I've been, this year I just uh, went snowboarding for the first time. I, I, uh, I've been surfing. I, um, uh, I, I, I just do whatever I can. I, I have a Harley. I still ride my Harley. And, oh, hell yeah, dude. Uh, I, I don't let uh, this keep me down at all. And um, there was they actually did a YouTube video on that 14er. And it's called uh, Ryan Garza. What's your Everest? Um, and uh, it and it kind of uh, you know talks a little bit about the journey and like before my amputation and then afterwards and then kind of has little clips of me making it to the top top. But that was my first step after my amputation, where I was like, you know what, you know, I can do things that you know, regardless if I don't have a leg, I still go scuba diving in it. I'm actually going on a scuba trip uh, in Cozumel on the second, and the best part about scuba diving is whenever I'm diving, I can feel all the way down to my toes really? that are there. Yeah. yeah. So it just feels like your whole leg is there again. Feels like my whole leg is there. That first time I did that, I was in Hawaii, and I uh, was I jumped in and I was like, oh my god, I almost lost the group because I was looking back and I'm like, I felt my entire leg there. 
And um, so it, it was just amazing. And I, I did some skydiving out there. And uh, I just about uh, a little less than a year ago, I got certified to uh, paraglide. And, um, and uh, it's just so many things that I might not have ever tried if I never climbed that 14er. Because that was that little bit to give me hope that if I could do that, then I could do pretty much anything. This is. Can I show a clip of your video quick on here? Would that be okay? Oh with yeah, you? absolutely. I want to show this because here I'm. I'm watching the video of you getting to the very top here right now, and you've got a, your sign that says you made it to the top. This is so cool. You're standing up here. This is awesome, dude. Man, yeah, I feel like was... such a pussy now, dude. I, I have <laughs> never climbed this fucking mountain. I've never no, climbed you this never... fucking 14 or none of that shit. I gotta, I gotta go start climbing mountains and shit now. <laughs> well, what, and I, it was the it was the hardest thing in the world, but what gave me another push was, um, have you ever heard of Eric Weinheimer? I believe that's yeah. how. Uh, yeah, so he was he climbed. Uh, he was with us on the Andes climb. And, uh, and we had kept in touch. He's so awesome. I mean, the fact that he climbed Everest blind is insane. But uh, he was on this 14er one. And, I mean, I'm hurting. I, I just got this prosthetic that was terrible. I kept falling, nearly falling on my face. And, I mean, I kept looking up, and I'm like, gosh, it doesn't seem like I'm getting any closer to the top. Yeah. And then someone was like, hey, Eric's up there. And he said he's not coming down until you're up there. <laughs> and so I was like, ah. So that's when I was like, okay, I got to keep trucking. I got to. I got Eric and he's yeah, blind dude. up there and he smoked me. I got to get up there. Dude, Eric's <laughs> the coolest too because like he he'll like talk to you too like and he'll look at you or, like he doesn't even look like he's blind. Like if you didn't knew know he was blind, you'd have no idea. He just looks at you right in your eye, like somehow. Yeah, he he's he's so awesome and he's so hilarious that I mean just hanging out with the, I mean I just it would I would crack up every time I'm with. He just is such an awesome guy and he never lets anything bring him down and he's just got a heart of gold and i just love the guy to death that's awesome dude that do you guys Ooh. still keep up uh well not so much but um after i had lost my friend uh i was living out in california and he had sent me one uh like a book about for motivation and signed it and said he hopes uh, i'm okay and and it was just stuff like that because i know he's Little a busy things. guy and i know so i you know but the fact that he thought about me and sent that to me, it was just like that. That's that brotherhood. That's that love. And, uh, yeah. and bringing us together, even though we have those different disabilities, we're able to come together as a team. And it, it was just an amazing feeling. That's awesome. But dude, that's so awesome, man. That's I'm, I, I love your story. I really do. You have an awesome Thank story. You. Uh, have you ever heard of something called, um, an SGB? You ever heard of like an SGB shot? No. Something that um, one of my friends has gotten. He has um, PTSD as well. But what he—it's it, a Stella Gaglion block, and it goes into your neck, and it like is a local anesthesia on uh, on the Stella Gaglion nerve system. I don't know what the hell that means. I'm, I have no idea. But apparently, it just like reboots your system and gets rid of everything and starts you fresh. And like once a year, you just get it and you're good. And <laughs> so, yeah, it might be something you want to look into. Um, yeah. Hold on, I gotta put that down. What was it called? Uh, it's SGB. SGB. Yeah, if you type in SGB PTSD, it'll it'll show up. Um, like the Stella Center does it. Uh, there's like a group. There's something called the PTSD group that'll help you direct there. That's another thing. Um, I'm pretty sure. Um, who's the the Marine from? Um, he's dating um Sarah Palin's daughter or married to her. Can't think of his name. Um, he's a, a Medal of Honor recipient. Um. Mm. 
I'm, I'm bad with the names. Whatever. Anyway, I'm uh, sorry. Meyer, something Meyer, maybe. Who knows? Um. Anyway, he just got it, and it worked really well for him. So, hey, that, look that's into. awesome. I, uh, I'll definitely try that. And um, and I got lucky because uh, I was at uh, recently. I was at a certain brain treatment um, called neurofeedback, yeah. and it's the only. I, I've tried a bunch of treatments, and they've all helped. But this is the only treatment that almost. I mean, not completely, obviously, but almost completely took away all my nightmares. Yeah. And um, and that was a big struggle. Plus, I struggled with sleep apnea. So, you know, just being exhausted all the time, but finally getting some rest. I um, I had denied a service dog all these years to because I knew I wasn't mentally capable of taking care of it. And um, I didn't want to be, you know, the type of person to just get a dog and let it just lose what it's he's there for. And yeah. um Finally, I went to the doctor's brother and I said, you know what? I think I'm finally ready to get a service dog. And the very next day, I got a call from Wayne Kyle, Chris Kyle, the American Sniper's father. And he said he's got a Belgian Malinois and he wanted to give it to a veteran. And uh, so I had gotten um, uh, just recently, um, uh, he had given me uh, the Belgian Malinois and his name's Major. And so uh, so we're doing it. Yeah, we're he outranks me. <laughs> <laughs> he outranks you by a lot. But, yeah, but That's he awesome. um he he's awesome and so we've been working really hard for um trying to get him trained and um and I had recently uh we were trying to figure out where what we we're gonna do to get him trained and recently I lost a friend that had the same first name and a very identical last name of a childhood friend that was murdered in San Antonio whenever I was in Afghanistan. And, um, and so it really, uh, and I wasn't able to go to the funeral and it really triggered me real bad. And I knew, uh, this one Marine I could count on to call and he didn't hesitate. And he went from Salt Lake city, uh, flew over here to Colorado Springs just to be here with me. And I was saying, I was struggling, trying to figure out something. And he goes, well, dude, you know, I have a Belgian Malinois, right? You know, I helped train them, right? And I was just like, what? And he goes, how about I take Major back and I'll help train, get the basics done and we'll try to figure out getting some training from there. And so I gave him the keys to my truck. He took uh, Major back. He And so he's been helping with that. And we've been uh, saving funds to uh, get him training to be a service dog. And I've been going back over there about once a month to spend time with them. And then uh, and we just got a call today with... Uh, some people that want to help pay for the rest of his training. So we've been excited to hear more about that. And I'm just so excited that out of all the time, all these years, I was like, I'm not getting a service dog. And then Wayne Kyle, the father of Chris (laughs) Kyle, the American sniper calls me. And uh, it was just a miracle that it was just, you know, another one of those miracles in life that it came at the perfect time and he's going to get the training he needs. And we're going to, we're gonna do this together. He'll be my little mascot. We're just gonna we're just gonna go a long way together. Dude, that's so awesome. That's mm-hmm. that's so fucking dope. <laughs> yeah. So I was blown away for sure. You're, you're is is he included in your book as well? Your doggo? Well, oh yeah, oh yeah. Good. He'll be and uh, it, it's still a process. We're getting a, a group and everything together, but yeah, that'll be um, part of the end uh, of the book, and then. I'm also, I had just done a, um, a trip to Yellowstone and got some uh, real 
awesome experience. And so I'm actually also going to be writing a children's book. Oh my called, God. Uh, mm-hmm, it's, I call that uh, the bison and the wolf. And it's um, basically the bison always faces the storm no matter what. And the wolf never feels bad for himself. He always provides. And, uh, and no, he, I mean, we saw the, this wolf that had gotten a cracked skull, broken ribs, broken leg and all this stuff. And he keeps going to provide and he never feels sorry for himself. So I'm, Kind of incorporating that, plus with uh, some things I learned from the Crow Indians out there, and uh, it's going to make it into a, a children's book that a uh, little motivating, a uh, victory and perseverance type of thing. That's super awesome. Yeah, it's like the little engine that could, but not stupid. You know, it's yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly, <laughs> but not really dumb. Yeah, no, that's yeah. awesome, dude. So Thank you. that's I, I'm blown away by your story, man. I'm so glad we got to talk today. I really am. Uh, me so too, when, and I appreciate you having me. When does your book come out? The 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 goal set date is October third, and uh, that's my stay alive day. That's the day that I was injured, and so oh, I figured that man. would be the perfect day to get it complete. Cool, because I'm writing that down, October third. Mm-hmm. I'm buying your first copy, dude. <laughs> Thank you very much. I you appreciate bet. it. You know, and uh, as soon as it goes up, I'll make sure I link it. Is it okay if I link that video of you climbing Everest as well, or your your fourteener? Is that okay if I link that onto this as well? Oh yeah, absolutely. I awesome. appreciate it. Awesome. Well, I appreciate your time very much. I'm gonna stay in touch with you over the years, dude. This is awesome. You're you're my new friend. I'll see you in Colorado pretty soon. Next time I have a show there, you're coming for free. Sounds good, man. I appreciate it very much. Awesome, man. Well, hey, we'll, we'll stay in touch. Talk to you later, brother. Sounds good. Take care. Peace, man. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.